Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. We have a lot going on on today's program, which I will tell you about in a moment. But first, we need to inform you about a new addition to the set that at least a couple of you might be a little intrigued by. There it is. Received the author copies for Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens again. I got my author copies over the weekend. There is one of them right there, 400 pages hardcover. Because that's what happens when Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz collaborate on a project. <laughs> we actually had to shut this thing down at 400 pages. We finally looked at each other and said, we, we could just do this all day. All right. Um, we're going to run out of paper in the Let's Go Brandon economy. So we capped it at 400 pages. Aaron added a little Festivus decoration there with the noose. Really appreciate that in honor of trialsandexecution.com after a fair trial, of course. I mean, of course. I mean, we're not unreasonable people. We would have a fair trial just to make sure um, we wouldn't hang anyone who's innocent. None of them are, but we would find out just to be on the safe side. You never know. So uh, after a fair trial, of course. But even better news is not only did the author copies come in, but your copies are coming in now sooner. We were able to outmaneuver the Let's Go Brandon supply chains And the release date for Rise of the Fourth Reich has now gone up to Valentine's Day. So what more would you want? What what more would you want to put you in a romantic mood than some gallows for those who deserve it, right? Cue the Barry White. I was just going to say, narrated by Barry White. Yeah, comes the comes the Fauci. Yeah. I'm like, got to go home and see what the wife is doing because I'm in. Okay. So the book will now release nationwide on Valentine's Day. Um, We have already or we're close to selling as many pre-orders as it takes to make typically the New York Times bestseller list for a hardcover nonfiction book. We're a few thousand copies short of that. Will they allow that? And they do. Yeah, because those pre-orders aren't fulfilled until the book is released. And so they just they just go to the count. You know what I'm saying? For mm-hmm. the they get added on to like the first weeks of book sales is how that works. Okay. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> they do except for people like us. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, they do except for people like us. So we are very curious. Because they had an out, you know, we, we, when you and I wrote Fauci and Bargain, we hit number four on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. We were the number one bestseller over at Amazon. We were the number one bestseller on the USA Today bestseller list. There was a notable exception. Yes, there was. To those bestseller lists that uh, kind of matter the most, right? And that would be the New York Times bestseller list. And they, they kind of, ha- they didn't have an out, but they kind of did on a technicality and that we went straight to paperback on demand to try to, we had no idea that the book was going to have that much demand when we started that. Right. Okay. So that, that's kind of their excuse, I guess. Okay. But this time now we're doing a traditional rollout. 
We're doing a traditional hardcover rollout book. I mean, I haven't I haven't released a hardcover book since what Truth Bombs that came out like 2018. So um, now they don't have an excuse. And given we're only a few thousand books away, uh, sales away from what typically makes the New York Times bestseller list for hardcover nonfiction in, de- in its debut week, I got to think you know the trend line we're on. We're going to hit that number probably exceed it think we're going to make the list let's find out let's find out let's find out so uh pre-orders are available now a lot of you are asking me if uh where the big box stores and everything else right i don't know the answer to that i don't I, i just can't keep up with everything i'm sorry i do know that amazon tried to order another twenty-five thousand copies last week because of the demand they were saying and we decided not to, to, to take their order. That's a big order, obviously. But we decided not to take their order because of the Let's Go Brandon supply chain issues. The back order on that would have been up to six months. So what we're going to do is we have a, an aggressive initial printing of the hardcover books, and we have sold already over a third of that printing before the book is released. When those hardcovers are gone, we are just going to go right to on-demand paperback, like we do with Fauci and Bargain, so that there's no lag time at all in getting this book out to you. Because within this book are very, not just incredible testimonies. Um, our executive producer here at Blaze TV, Ricky Ratliff, sent me an, an article from the Canadian Broadcasting Company today that I was reading about a woman who was essentially uh, yeah. murdered. In a Canadian hospital. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have you guys read this? It's an incredible yeah. story, right? And I wrote, I, I sent her a note. I'm about to release a book with uh, full of stories just like this, actually, you know? Um, and, and so you're going to get those testimonies, but, you know, you know, especially with Daniel's name on it, that it's, we're, we're going to have solutions. There are pol- very specific policy solutions in this book. And so we want you guys to get that out. And get that in front of your legislators and even your, you know, your local bodies of government that have a, a role in this process as well. Um, as with as much time as you possibly can here while they're all in session and everything this winter. That's that's why we did this release date to try to get it out as close as we could to when a lot of legislatures and stuff around the country go into session. So there are some very specific policy um, initiatives in here as well that you can corner them, frankly, and they are without excuse because we we did all the work for them. We interviewed, and, and by the way, there are, there's legions more, multitudes more, I shouldn't use that term, multitudes more guests we could have interviewed for this book, but they all would have just had similar stories to the, one we, to the ones we already told. Because there's a trail of tears here that, that this system left behind. So we give them the witness list, or at least a proto version of the kinds of witnesses that are out there. And then we give them the solutions to this so that it never happens again. This book was written to close the loop so that nobody is with that either reads it or is empowered to do something about the words within it is without excuse. You just know that's how Daniel and I roll and you put the two of us together and it's going to, I mean, it, you're going to get 400 pages of that. And that's exactly what you got. All right. So pre-orders are available right now. The book will release now about two weeks earlier, February 14th. I think it was going to be the 23rd or the 24th is when it was going to come out. So February 14th, and it'll be interesting to see if we hit that number, will we make the New York Times bestseller list or will they pretend like 
I don't exist again like they did when we released Fauci and Morgan a couple of years ago. So, and then props to Aaron who has been driving around for days with a noose in his car. Uh, <laughs> who does that? Aaron. Aaron. Who's been driving around for days with a noose in his car, waiting for me to bring the book in just so he could wrap the book in a noose. That's, that's my man right there. I've always wanted to know what it felt like to be in a NASCAR garage. And now I know. <laughs> oh, very well played. Very well played. All right, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Corey DeAngelis is going to join us um, about the battle that is being waged in state legislatures across the country, including ours, on the battle for school choice. We'll get into that. Uh, next hour, we've got a video we want to play from Fake News or Not. And one of the gentlemen that has emerged in the last couple of years and deservedly so, I might add, as one of the more respected voices on the right, says we might be making too big of a deal about what we're going to be talking about in fake news or not. So we will get into that as well. And then we've got another video that we're going to play for you for Pop Culture Tuesday when we get into the intersection of pop culture and conservatism. So all that and more coming your way here on the program. But let's begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by going down with the ship. Donald Trump went on the water cooler with David Brody yesterday to discuss whether he'll admit that COVID jabs aren't as safe as once promised. What about the safety aspect? That's what people are concerned about now. Do you have some concerns about the safety of these vaccines? Well, I always do, but you have to understand there are the pros and cons. Uh, if you could read some reports saying it was the greatest thing that's ever happened and we saved tens of millions of lives. Then you'll read other reports, you'll say there were some uh, problems with the vaccines sure. in terms of certain things, but, but relatively small numbers. But you know, you have many reports that say the vaccine saved tens of millions of lives, that without the vaccines, you wouldn't have, you know, you would have had a, a thing like we had in 1917, where perhaps 100 million people died. He also took the time to take a jab at evangelicals who haven't come out in support of him for 2024. Some of these prominent evangelical leaders who backed you last time, they're not yet willing to commit, like Robert Jeffress is not, some others. It seems like many of them are waiting to see how the field takes shape before backing anyone. What is your message to them? Well, I don't really care. Look, uh, that's, a, that's a sign of disloyalty. There's great disloyalty in the world of politics, and that's a sign of disloyalty because nobody, as you know, and you would know better than anybody because you do such a great job, nobody has ever done more for right to life than Donald Trump. I put three Supreme Court justices who all voted, and they got something that they've been fighting for for 64 years or many, many years. The latest Twitter files have dropped. These centering around pharmaceutical companies' escapades with Twitter to censor demands to make generic, low-cost vaccines for low-income countries, among other things. Companies like Moderna and Pfizer would regularly send emails to Twitter demanding certain tweets be taken down. Former Planned Parenthood CEO and current CNN medical expert Leanna Wynn is sounding more and more like the Steve Day show circa April of 2020. Doctor, these are two separate things here, overcounting deaths and overcounting 
hospitalizations. There is a way for us to look at death certificates and also to look at the medical records of individuals prior to the death. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. I think that we need to separate out and look at the percentages of each. That percentage would have shifted over time as well. In the beginning, probably a lot more people were dying with the primary cause of COVID. That probably has shifted. And I think, again, we need to understand this. Another reason to understand this, too, is a lot of people are wondering when they should get a booster next. When do we need a second booster or another booster? And the only way we can know for sure is to understand who is getting severely ill and when. Checking in on the Mall of America in Minnesota, where if you're not being shot or sex trafficked, you'll now be asked to leave for wearing a shirt that says, Jesus saves. If you shop here, you need to take that shirt off. What is, what is, what is wrong with my teeth? Again, sir, it is religious soliciting. There is no soliciting allowed on law property, which is private property. Okay? So again, Aaron's razor update, it's just demonic, bro. This is somebody named Allison Simpson at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center discussing a new type of surgery they're exploring. One area that ha had not been looked at before in any serious way was, could the donors be live donors? Because in the original study, it was, the conclusion was that they would have to be cadaver-based donors or, or um, from individuals who were no longer alive, right? So live donation has been something the community has talked about for decades. It was really seen as magical thinking. Um, for a th this would be a live donation from a, a person who was assigned female at birth but identified as a transgender man. And they said, well, you know, I have these parts. I don't want them. You want them. You need them. So what if I gave them to you? How would that work? And apparently, based on their research, this is actually viable. Did you get that? The University of Pittsburgh Medical Center is exploring uterine and vaginal transplants provided by live donors. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Yet another stash of classified documents discovered during Biden's colonoscopy. And that's what happened while we were away. So that's some real island of Dr. Moreau stuff, eh? Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends over at Bill Barr on the way out here uh, to come into the show this morning. I uh, grabbed my, uh, my two-pack of Bill Bars, which is my typical post-workout snack, which I consume on the drive-in, and I took a bite out of one of them. I'm like, holy crap, that's good. I'm like, is that another new flavor I wasn't aware of? And I grabbed the wrapper, and it was double chocolate, which is one of the original flavors in the original variety pack that was kind of the OG Built Bar product of uh, that when they first you know started going uh, viral a few years ago just goes to show man these guys know what they're doing
whether it's the OGs like double chocolate, whether it's uh, the new flavors like uh, brownie batter and, uh, you know, coconut brownie puff. I mean, these it's the greatest protein bar you have ever had. All of them covered in real chocolate, all of them loaded with protein, carbs. Nope, not the carbs. Calories. Nope, not the calories. Certainly sugars. Definitely not that. You won't believe how low in calories they are. And they're not packed with carbs, calories, and sugars, but they are packed with the protein you need and your body craves and the flavor that you want. So try them today or try them again again and get 15% off when you do with my last name, Dace, as your promo code. D-E-A-C-E and go to Built.com for Built Bar. Built.com for Built Bar, promo code Dace to get 15% off at Built Bar with Built.com. All right, let's get to the rest of Aaron's montage. And I, I really want to discuss the top two items here in the 15 minutes we have left in this segment as it relates to Trump. Because in, in one thing he says, I 100% agree. And, and actually, even with his premise, like not unintentionally or he came to the right conclusion from a premise I don't share, I completely agree with what he said and why he said it. And then there's another one where I could not disagree more. And, and if, if, if we were in, an, in a more typical political environment, it would be morally disqualifying. So let, let's, let's start with the one where I completely agree and also with his presence or premise. You guys may end up disagreeing with me. Let's find out. Okay. Uh, I completely agree with every word that he said about this, the Robert Jeffress wing of transactional seat-at-the-table political evangelicalism. Every word. Normally, I would bristle at the notion that a, that a church leader is to show loyalty to a political leader. Normally, I would bristle at such a notion, and I would condemn it harshly. Here's the thing, though. How many of you knew what the hell a Robert Jeffress was prior to Donald Trump? How many? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Now, I met him. I met him in an NRB about eight or nine years ago. Just watching this five foot six, bucko five dude walk up and down the hallway at the Nashville Gaylord, hoping someone would interview him, looking for someone to talk to. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody. Gloms on to Trump becomes a fixture on Fox as a result, and he's a household name, right? Move over, Pat Robertson, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of the new, he's kind of a new face of the religious right. Bringing, out, bringing Trump out for church services, if I recall, right? Didn't they do that over an Independence Day? I think they did. And now, <laughs> so, so we're going to do all that stuff when the, when the, when the twice-divorced, Um, Peccadillo Plentiful Braggart when he doesn't have a record so, so, so people like Jeffress are going to glom on when that guy with all of his various notches on the bedpost when that, when that guy, and, and he's, un, which he's completely unrepentant about, right? Remember, I've never asked God for forgiveness because I've never done anything wrong, right? You and I heard him say that in person, in the flesh. 
So when that guy doesn't have a record, I, as a pastor, I glom onto that and promote it for the, all the way to the White House as if we're on a holy mission. That guy gets in the White House. Trump is correct when he says, no one did more for the pro-life cause in 50 years than me. He's 100,000% correct. Absolutely, he's correct. He appointed the three justices that overturned Roe. Everything he is saying is factually accurate. So now he has a record. Now he delivered for you. Now, the Robert Jeffers who got poop-talked by the Steve Daces of the world, they now get to say, how you like me now, right? We rolled snake eyes, we gambled, and it paid off. While you guys who are higher, holier than thou, higher, you know, high, you know, and high and mighties would have said to sit it out and look what we got. Right. That's that is the argument they should be making. Right. Is that the argument they're making, though? They are not. No, they bailed. Why did they bail? For the same reason they glommed on. For the, in the same first reason place. they glommed on in the first place. They're just political groupies. They're not leaders. And they just licked their fingers, put the, put the fingers in the wind, and said, eh, not sure we can ride you to the seat at the table we want, so you're not worth it for us anymore. And if you, if you want to know why a lot of the kinds of conservatives that you wanted to win in the past couldn't, it's this, it's this that you're seeing right here. We're the problem. Our leaders are the problem or lack thereof. There is no justification whatsoever for Robert Jeffers to jump off the Trump train. If anything, dude should be calling me on the phone saying, what are you talking about? Look at this guy's record. Instead, eh. Fox is, you know, Fox clearly is, is, is sold stock in that. Maybe I can't get on Fox anymore if I, you know. If I stay on Team Trump, you know, and I don't want to be relegated to, you know, the other media outlets that Trump's people have all been banished to. So I like my seat at the table. Everything he says in that clip, I believe, is correct. Everything. It's purely transactional for them, and he delivered. I don't think he's wrong to demand loyalty at all. Am I wrong? What do you guys think? No, I'm with you. I, I don't think this is a very complicated issue. Uh, this whole party, and this is, goes beyond just the Jeffress wing of evangelicals. The, the term groupie... Mm-hmm. Up, uh, That's really what we're talking about here. Yes. GOP. It's a GOP cancer writ large. We're full of groupies who want that seat at the table, who want to feel like we belong, who want to go to the next junket and rub elbows and get the autographs. But are we a movement? Have we ever been? What do you think, Aaron? Am I, I, right I mean, or wrong? I think for people like Jeffress, yeah, I mean, this is. Kind of slimy to just kind of punt right now, because you know there's nobody. Um, there's there's no you wouldn't be you would still be a nobody as you just pointed out. He goes on to criticize though, pro-lifers and evangelicals, and he has done this before, 
I think during while we were off for Christmas. Oh, you said we didn't turn out. Said we enough. didn't turn out enough. Blamed yeah. blamed the midterms on evangelicals. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to make that a point about that. But finish yours. Go ahead. So, you know, this is a transactional. This is a transactional type of thing. He had also just said, "No, the wonderful, glorious jabs." Saved We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Million people. So, in the juxtaposition of that, um, I don't think people like us owe him anything. Now, people I like agree. Jeffress. I yeah, agree. You owe, yeah, you owe everything. That's the point. Yeah, completely agree. No one would know what a Robert Jeffress is except the people that went to his church if it went for Donald Trump. What has he done? What has he done to alienate them? He delivered on what they claimed to us he was going to do. He delivered on those things. Now, the claim that he made while we were gone, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to address that and I forgot when we came back last week. The, the claim that he made that uh, we were too pro-life and uh, after post Roe v. Wade and then pro-life voters didn't turn out. Folks, there was an 11 point swing on the generic ballot from Democrats to Republicans in this last midterm election from the 2018 midterms. 11 points. That's incredible. I mean, that's that's an incredible swing. So that's just not factually accurate. Republicans didn't have a base turnout problem at all. Their base turned out incredibly high. Now, if you want to make the case that reversing Roe turned out the Democrat base, I agree with that too. Both teams had had high base turnout, high base turnout. And that's all those unmarried women that we talked about after the election that turned out for Democrats because of Roe, right? That's that's the Democrat base turning out, okay? So he, he could make that case if he wants, but the problem with making that case is that it undermines his accomplishment of overturning Roe. You can't have it both ways, right? right? So So he's looking for someone to blame. So he wants to blame his own voters. That's not true. The Republican base turned out in droves. 11-point swings in midterm, in singular midterm election cycles don't happen very often. Those should be watershed moments in elections. Why wasn't it one? Well, because Republicans lost independence again, just as they did in 2018, 2020, and now 2022. Three elections in a row. Now, the margins with, with independence were much closer, and that's why a lot of these, so many of these elections took so long to count other than them stealing it. Uh, but the margins were very, very close with independence, but they still lost them. And that's, and that's the debate, right? Every wing of the Republican Party is blaming the other one for why we didn't attract independence. Okay. But, the, but that, his analysis is just not correct. And anybody else telling you that is either um, uh, uninformed or is just paid to tell you things like that. That's a lie. The Republicans had a massive base turnout. It's just the Democrats did too. So should have done better with independence. Whose fault that is? Who knows? I don't know. And, and, and the reason why I don't have a strong stance on that is because there's evidence everywhere that goes both ways. Right? J.D. Vance was tied to Trump very closely. He did, performed very well. Okay. Other candidates who were tied to Trump closely did not. There were candidates that were tied to the machine very closely, performed with independence very well. There were candidates that weren't tied to the machine very closely or that, that were tied to the machine very closely that, that did not. It was just kind of random, like the 2020 election, just kind of random. And you get kind of random when they're stealing things. But I digress. Here's where he's just morally wrong, what he says about the jab. It's just morally wrong. And it's pretty clear he's just... The, the body count isn't high enough yet. And maybe there isn't one. Maybe his ego won't permit that. Here's the problem. Because of how poisonous his jab is, we're going to find out. We are going to find out if there is a body count, if there's a calamity count large enough for him to finally come to Jesus on this because the numbers aren't slowing down. 
So we will see. But if, if, if there was anybody else who could be president in 2024 that was willing to tell any level of truth on this, and Ron DeSantis is not where I'd like him to be on this. He's just way ahead of where everybody else is. He's the only one. He's the only one who has any chance to be president who is willing to tell any level of truth about this at all. If there were other options willing to do so, Trump, this would, this would sink Trump's candidacy here. But because there's only one option, and all the other options are awful at all the other issues that Trump in the past has been good on, he's still, he's still a top-tiered candidate because of where we're at on this. So this, this should be politically disqualifying, Todd, but given the environment we're in, it's not. It is certainly morally disqualifying. He is taking credit for something that's a lie. He is promoting something that is deadly. Your thoughts? Uh, and this is not my shocked face. You know what I think about the magical power of vaccines uh, and now in general, and now you tie that to the fact that it, Donald Trump knows the pressure he's under regarding uh, real or imagined January 6th uh, impeachment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, if he, in his mind, then loses the fact that he was the person that saved millions of people, I mean, I don't. Listen, put put him on the couch with a psychologist. I don't think you're going to find a very co- complex problem on this one. He just can't he can't possibly bring himself to go there. That not only was he not part of that, but people may be dying because of something that he just it, it with good intentions, yeah, greenlit. It's a psychosis. He's not going to go there. He's not the hero of the COVID story that he wants to be. He's actually one of its arch villains. Now, to his to his benefit, like everybody practically was a villain, okay? But he, as long as he tries to recast himself as a hero, when it's obvious to everyone else he's one of the villains, that will continue to hurt him, for sure. More in a moment. Hey, are you tired of feeling like your personal data may be at risk or worry that big tech is watching every move that you make? If you don't want anyone else knowing where you've been, who you've met, what you're thinking, Start Mail is the perfect solution for protecting your privacy and giving you peace of mind. Start Mail's secure email service keeps your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes and protects you from spam as well. And each message can be encrypted or password protected. And when you delete an email, It is actually gone forever. You get unlimited disposable email aliases to keep your real identity hidden online. And with just a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider and start taking advantage of StartMail's enhanced privacy protection. So sign up today and save 50% half off. 
for those of you like me that went to public school. 50% off your first subscription year. There's never been a better time to go to start with a T, as in starting line, startmail.com slash Steve. That's startmail.com slash Steve. And join the thousands of people who have chosen Startmail for their email security needs. That's startmail with a T, startmail.com slash Steve for 50% off. Corey DeAngelis is the senior fellow at the American Federation for Children, and we welcome him back here to the program on Blaze TV. Good to see you again, Corey. How you been? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, Steve. Always. So overall, there there seems to be a lot of momentum on this school choice issue, more than I can ever remember. My home state of Iowa right here, where we are broadcasting globally from, is one of the epicenters of this battle right now. What changed? Right? This, this was one of those fantasy issues on the right for many, many years, many white papers, think tanks, conferences, and then later, you know, uh, blogs and podcasts for years and years were done on this topic. Uh, and it just seemed completely unattainable. Wh- why has this switch been flipped? What changed? Well, the teachers unions overplayed their hand finally and awakened this, the parent revolution that we've all been waiting for. The teachers unions pushed to keep the schools closed. They even lobbied the CDC to make that happen, and they continued with fear-mongering every step of the way. And the unintended benefit of the remote learning was that families got to see what the heck was going on in the classroom. So we've made the argument for school choice based on low test scores and failing government schools for a long time. The argument has shifted a little bit. That remains the same. We still have failing schools academically, but families have really been mobilized because they started to realize that they were sending their kids to indoctrination centers Mm -hmm. where they were learning to hate their family's values for 13 years straight. That's much more likely to mobilize parents than anything else. These parents have woken up and they're never going back to sleep. So we've seen a ton of victories in 2021, which we called the year of school choice. We saw victories in the midterm. 76% of the candidates supported by my organization, the American Federation for Children, won their races in 2022. So that's the year of the parent. Hopefully 2023 will be the year of education freedom. And it's looking like some states, particularly Iowa, all eyes on Iowa, will see uh, massive school choice victories this coming session. Hmm. So it, it sounds like if there were a limited amount of blessings in disguise from the uh, more than two and a half years of unjustified and unprecedented tyranny they tried to put us under over the virus they created, uh, it would be that Zoom school forced a lot of parents to, uh, to parent again, to, to, to not just view this as a subsidized daycare center, but to take a long, hard look. And they were smacked right dab in the face with the indoctrination going on down the street there at the, uh, at the local school. Yeah, a lot of people who had their kids in great public schools, uh, or whether it was because they were A-rated by the state or because their kids were coming home with A's on their report cards or they did well on their state standardized tests, those same parents who thought that their kids were doing fine started to see that something else was going on here. There's another dimension of school quality that's much more important than something that can be captured on a standardized test, which is whether the school's curriculum aligns with your values. And as Vody Bauckham said it best, 
uh, we must stop. We cannot continue sending our children to Caesar and then act surprised when they come home as Romans. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the good news is parents aren't surprised anymore. They've seen what's happened. And although the schools are open, the problems are still there. So they're pushing to be able to take their kids' education dollars to the education provider of their choosing. If that's the public school, fine. If you like your public school, you can keep your public school. But if not, so many states are advancing the ball down the field to be able to send that money to a private charter or home-based education option. And again, it's looking uh, like it's nearly certain it's going to happen in Iowa. I was just there for the uh, inaugural governor's ball uh, last week, and the temperature is is on the favor in the favor of school choice. It appears it's going to happen in Iowa. So it sounds like you favor something. I mean, I, I, I was advocating this to Republicans in my state when I was a local host 15 years ago, and they all looked at me like I had both eyes out of the same socket. Okay, but um, it sounds like you advocate the, the approach of the, of the funding following the child at the building level. Which, whichever building you choose to go to to be educated, that funding follows you to that dwelling. That sounds like the approach that you favor. Yeah, the funding should actually go to the student, not the buildings at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of uh, proponents of the government school system will say that you're stealing money from the public schools. Then I'll respond that, well, the money doesn't belong to the buildings, public or private. Mm -hmm. It belongs to the individual student. Education funding is meant for educating the child, not for propping up and protecting a particular institution. So if you want to take it public, private, regardless, uh, whatever works best for you, uh, uh, but to your ultimate point, yes, the families would be able to direct which institution the funding would flow to. What's the benign, innocent explanation why anybody would oppose that? Well, um, it, it's pretty obvious that the teacher unions disproportionately donate to one party over the other. Randy Weingarten, the American Federation of Teachers president, her union allocated over 99% of their campaign contributions to Democrats as opposed to Republicans in uh, the 2022 election cycle. Uh, there's no logical explanation for it. The Democrats will say public money for public schools. This is one of the talking points by Senator Claire Selsey in your state mm-hmm. of Iowa. She forgets to mention oftentimes that she went to private school herself, Dowling Catholic, uh, school choice for me, but not for thee. But then she also supports all of these other initiatives that have public taxpayer funding flowing to private institutions like Pell Grants for college. Mm-hmm. You can take that funding to a private religious university, Head Start and other pre-K programs. Uh, uh, Iowa has a voluntary pre- uh, preschool initiative. They also have Iowa tuition grants for college. These are both programs that have public dollars flowing to private universities. And it's all fine and dandy because with higher education and pre-K, choice is the norm, but for the in-between years of K-12 education, that choice threatens a major campaign contributor called the teachers' unions. So they fight like hell against any change to that status quo. There's no good logical explanation for why they would oppose this. It's more about power dynamics. And those are also obviously the formative years in worldview formation at the exact same time. The critical thinking sectors of the brain aren't fully alive yet. You're still learning to discern. You're still growing developing mentally. So you latch on to those kids at those ages. You indoctrinate them with your fundamentals instead of the ones that come from their families. And then later on, when those other more logic sectors of the brain become more active, they're now working out their thought processes with your presuppositions and what you want them to think and how you want them to see the world and not necessarily the way that their families were raising them. You know, maybe like that, Corey? 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. But the good news is families have figured this out, that they're using the government educational institutions to indoctrinate them with liberal values. And look, if you're a liberal parent, I think you should have that choice. You should be able to take even take the money to a private school that has a liberal curriculum. Uh, but conservative parents and Parents who just want an, a non-ideological education, one that focuses on learning as opposed to uh, ideology uh, and politicization, families should have a choice. And there's no way to fix that in the current system. Mm -hmm. It's a one-size-fits-all disaster. And the reality is families disagree about how they want their kids raised. They, they disagree about how they want their kids to be educated. And the only way out of this mess through freedom as opposed to force is to allow the families to have a choice. That's, that it's, that's the only way to deal with the fact that people disagree about things. So we got about five minutes here. I want to focus on two challenges, one from the left and one from the right that I often receive in my inbox when this topic comes up. Let's start from the one on the left. We've kind of addressed it already, but let's go a little bit more in depth. The argument that uh, this approach will bankrupt the government schools. Keep in mind that by, by even making this argument, you are proffering and perpetuating the premise that your system and, of, of schooling children sucks so bad that if a bunch of parents had the option of not having to go and could take that funding with them to a place that did better, they would. I mean, this argument exactly. is actually an admission of your own systemic failure, right? Okay, but yep. that's, that's, that's how we would point out this canard. They, they wouldn't say that. So mm -hmm. counteract it in the way that they yeah. would make this claim. Yeah, my first response is your response, which is, well, why would that happen? You're right. essentially admitting families aren't happy. Let them go. Mm -hmm. But then, two, my other response is the money doesn't belong to the schools in the first place. Allowing families to choose their grocery store, for example, doesn't steal money from Walmart. <laughs> Allowing families to choose their school doesn't steal money from public schools. The money's meant for the child, not the institution, public or private. And then my third response is, well, with these initiatives, it's typically just the state funding that follows the child, not the local or federal. So in Iowa, for example, the government schools spend over $14,000 per student. The amount of funding that would follow is the state, which is about $7,600 per student. What does that mean? The public schools get to keep nearly $7,000 per student or, uh, for children who are no longer there, even after they leave. So on a per student basis, the public schools end up with more per student revenues and expenditures. Just imagine if you stopped shopping at Hy-Vee or, or, or Walmart and you started shopping at Safeway or Trader Joe's and Walmart to keep half your grocery funding each week. That wouldn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make any sense here, but that's just how politics works. And it would be a good deal for Walmart if that were to happen. It's also a good deal for the public schools that they keep, get to keep thousands of dollars for students that are no longer educating. Then the challenge from the right. So we homeschooled or Christian schooled all of our children. All right. And um, and so I'm, I'm usually sensitive to those arguments. And I'm someone that I've been a little I've been I'm a person of, let's say, difficulty on the right in the past, because I'm very concerned when we do things that perpetuate the enemy's premise in order to get a desired outcome. Because I think, um, you know, you'll find out later on it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. All right. And to never accept their premise. And so people that have tended to agree with me on this are now saying, hey, I am falling for their premise with 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 so-called school choice. Now, I don't understand this argument. If I did, I'd take their position. They're already mm -hmm. taking the money away from us. We already don't have that money. So I don't, I don't yeah. understand why giving me my money back 
is empowering the state further. Uh, the argument tends to be, well, the state will then decide, you know, what uh, curriculum can be taught within your homeschooling or Christian schooling. Just don't let them do that. Just, just pass Never laws that say that can't occur. I, I, I really don't understand the arguments against this on the right. I mean, I really don't. I've seen zero school choice programs where they control the curriculum. And in fact, if you look at the bills floating around this session, they have explicit points in there saying that the government won't be able to control the curriculum or admission standards of the private education providers. But at the end of the day, this argument is making perfect the enemy of the good, as you pointed out, that we already have most kids stuck in government-run institutions today. And this is just giving them the choice to accept the funding or not to take it to a private education provider or a homeschool option. Uh, we can't make perfect the enemy of the good. A lot of people making this argument um, are missing the forest for the trees. This is all voluntary. No school choice program has forced anybody to take the money. And uh, look, as, as Thomas Sowell uh, best said, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs, and there are costs and benefits of every yeah, policy prescription, yeah. including the status quo. Yeah, yeah. They, and Randy Weingarten has even repeated this argument. Is that because she's a libertarian and doesn't like government involvement? No, she knows she gets to keep her gravy train going if this argument continues, or if it takes any hold with conservatives. She she wants to block school choice so that she can keep her monopoly on the minds of other people's children. I can understand the argument if we were actually already paying transactionally for education to the government schools, and then government came in and said, we'll let you go to whatever school you want if you funnel the movie the money through us, right? I, I could understand that camel's nose under the tent argument. They're already taking the money. They took it away from us before we ever saw it. And that's why I don't understand it. Corey, how, yeah. how can, go ahead. You want to add to that really quick? Go ahead. Yeah, just really quickly. Uh, I mean, it's a fear mongering argument and there's another form of a doomsday scenario that could happen, uh, which is if, if people continue to go and, and be indoctrinated in government schools to love big government, they'll be more likely to vote to regulate private and home education. Exactly. To get, That's uh, exactly right. It creates a feedback loop. We're better right. off to yeah. fight against, against, against that with school choice. Yep. I completely agree. All right. Where can people follow your work, Corey? Uh, you can go to federationforchildren.org or you can just take the Education Freedom Pledge. It's educationfreedompledge.com if, uh, if you want to help us in the fight for education freedom. Corey DeAngelis, uh, Senior Fellow at American Federation for Children. You guys are doing great work. Thanks for joining us again, brother. All right, God bless. Take care. All right, thanks so much, Steve. You bet. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, we've had Corey on multiple times uh, before. The guy knows his stuff inside and out. But the more uh, I, I see him, the more I want to reflect on what I said about uh Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday, because I, I, I think this might be the highest praise I can give him, but there's a DeSantis-like quality. There's there's no feeling of note cards, something I just memorized yesterday. There are core beliefs, A, that are uncompromising, B, that are certain, and C, they are offered to you as a human being to human being mm -hmm. and not a construct, not just a political campaign. He's talking to humans about humans with human energy, not cyborg energy. We need men like Corey DeAngelis in all facets of life, in politics, in education, in medicine, everywhere. It's the things that save us. We have been doing very unhuman things and lying about where that gets us for a very long time. Corey DeAngelis is just... He's, he's about the fundamentals. This is a football. I love it. 
It's funny you uh, chose some of the words that you just chose there, Todd. Cyborg, unhuman. Because that last argument that, that we hear from the right that uh, Corey, Corey discussed, and not making the perfect the enemy of the good or, or, uh, or the phrase there, um, it's a lot like the robot umpire thing in Major League Baseball. People talk about this as if it's just going to get everything right all of the time. No, it's not. They, the robots will make mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. It's, you're still assenting to this utopian yep. mindset that, you, that there yep. is something perfect in this world. No, it's not. East of Eden, there is nothing perfect in this world. School choice, even though it's not going to be perfect, public schools, as Corey just mentioned, still going to be getting federal money, things of that nature. It's not absolutely perfect. But guys... It's it's a hell of a lot better than what we've got right now. It's objectively good. It's objectively mm-hmm. good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Objectively good. And like I said yesterday, I don't think there's anything outside of the life issue that will more promote the nuclear family mm-hmm. than school choice. By the way, one more thing. Corey, uh, with, with that uh, comment at the very beginning, if you like your public schools, you can keep your public schools. Love that. I don't know if yeah. you meant that to be a joke, but yeah, I Yeah, I'd that. maybe keep uh, riding that one. I agree with you on that. All right, when we come back, hour two, and we'll do Fake News or Not and Pop Culture Tuesday. Stay tuned. And we're back with our two live and on demand right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. And you, hopefully not all of you, like at once, but all of you at some point in time can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab, you can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok, and then look for me as well over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. At Real Steve Dace there on Truth Social is where you'll find us there. If you are a podcast listener, thank you so much for being one of the many of those. And we appreciate each and every one of you. You're a large reason why we continue to get to do this show for the Blaze for the next three years. So if you wouldn't mind and have yet to do this for us, please leave us a five-star review. If you like the show and hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice and our deep and never ending gratitude to each and every one of you that have done those things for us already. This portion of the show brought to you by Eden Pure. You can purify the air in your home and get healthy, clean, fresh smelling air, eliminate odors, kill mold and mildew bacteria and and viruses with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier that came on board as a partner with the show about the middle of last year and we got so much good response from people who put this uh, bad boy to the test and it passed with flying colors did it in my own home I think they came on this show right about the time Noah started doing uh, off-season football workouts if I recall and summertime heat combined with uh, teenage boy sweat was an interesting scent in the home and uh, in his room. And we put one of those bad boys in there and uh, 
It was like a metamorphosis took place. So I got a ton of good feedback about this uh, partner from so many of you that tried the product and it worked well for you as well. You can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm three pack for whole home protection. You'll get all three units for under 200 bucks. That's a fraction of the cost that other purifiers in this space will charge, which is well over 600 bucks. All right. So you get a pack of three, put it in every level of your home uh, or a couple of different levels in your garage. Uh, and with this special offer, you get free shipping as well. So free shipping and three units for under 200 bucks. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com and use the promo code Steve3, promo code Steve3. So we don't have my oldest daughter, Anastasia, with us here this week. Um, got some bad news late last, very late last night. Uh, her and her husband, Steven's kitty cat that had been very sick, just suddenly died. And, uh, obviously they're in the midst of dealing with that and taking care of that. And, you know, it's your beloved pet. So, you know, she's taking the day off to handle those arrangements and, uh, uh, you know, get over, uh, the sadness of her kitty cat dying. They love that cat. So Olive was the cat's name. And Olive just tapped out like at about 1230, one o'clock or something last night. So amazing. Your daughter, Anna, is teaching my daughter, Charlotte, mm -hmm. guitar. And that's one of the things I found out that uh, the cat's name was Olive because my dog's name is Olive. Really? Yes. I did not know that. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, I remember the first time I had a pet die as a kid, my dog Roscoe that I named after Roscoe uh -huh. Pico trained from Dukes of Hazard. I cute, dare you to do better. Great cute, name. Yeah. Cute little cocker spaniel and got ran over in the oh, well. cul-de-sac that we lived in. <laughs> that, that took, that a, took dark a turn. turn. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That was, that was pretty devastating, you know? So we told her to take the day off and uh, we'll see her again Man. next week. Aaron's dog is... You know, a becomes for Cujo blood and running off into the way. Yeah, Aaron's first attempt at a, at a pet, he turned into Cujo. Well, my I, dog got ran over in our dead end road. First, yeah. first pet I really like remember dying. We had this, we had this uh, cat. It was just, it was a barn cat, super friendly. Le it's not one of those cats though that gets underneath your legs. Very friendly, but not like in your way all the time. She had litters and litters of of uh, oh, this kittens. This is going to a dark place. I just kittens. Oh my goodness! Just a great, just a great cat. And she got ran over too, taking her, taking her new litter hunting, or I think hunting for her new litter. I mean, so I was hard. I, I mean, to this day, that happened in the spring of of 1981 man and i can remember that like it was yesterday and you know we lived on a dead end street we just let the dog you know come out and play with us and you know out in the street obeyed came home whenever we called and i ran in to get a drink of water and i hear uh, a car squealing tires out in the road and then i hear a stop and then a car like squeal tires again and what happened is some couple across the street, they got into a fight and the, the wife stormed out, backed out of the driveway, oh, didn't see no. my dog, heard a, heard a bump and then r drove forward. Okay. And ran over the dog oh, twice. No. Yeah. As if Aaron's montage isn't a daily dance with the devil in 2023, <laughs> we promise to give you value added dead pet stories. We've never talked about dead pets on the show. <laughs> what are we doing? This is terrible. <laughs>
And by the way, Aaron, can you point to the noose on the desk? <laughs> okay. We already got the contract. It's inked for three years. We're going So there. we're the Dead Pet Society. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. Yes. All right. Point taken. You, you made your point, Todd, and it was a very good one. Thank you. Let's get to fake news or not. And this week, I want to delve back into the Wayback Machine. Back to 2018. Those were the... Those were the... And a, a simpler time. <laughs> I still remembered my dog being ran over like it was yesterday, but... It was a simpler time, right? We, we, no one believed that masks curbed the spread of respiratory viruses. Um, we had never heard of gene therapy uh, or what an mRNA shot was because they had failed 10 times to bring one to market. So none of us had to know, right? Okay. The, the Avengers were saving the universe instead they, of transing themselves. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. Uh, Thor was, um, was striking a mighty blow against Thanos instead of speaking and, and negotiating orgies with Zeus as he did in the, his latest film. Yes. You're not even joking. I'm not even joking. That literally <laughs> happened in the film. Yes. All right. Um, it was a simpler time. We didn't know to, we didn't know where Wuhan, China was, let alone that they were one of the most densely populated areas in the world, conducting and to kill us. And, uh, dangerous bioweapon research there to kill all of us. Yes, a much much simpler time it was. Right, we were only taking enough Im uh, illegals across the border from like fifty different countries, as opposed to the hundred and forty that we're taking now. <laughs> you know, those were the halcyon days. They were. It was a simpler time. In 2018, this kind of a video just would not have gotten my attention. I, I just didn't pay attention to stuff like this. I was too immersed in the problems of today and um, just really wasn't even, my frequency wasn't even dialed into stuff like this. Which is why with the World Economic Forum meeting now in Davos, and I, I'm not sure that I would have even known what the World Economic Forum was in 2018. Or maybe just heard the term, but certainly didn't know what the hell a Klaus Schwab was in 2018. I had no idea. All right. It really was a simpler time. Okay. I want to go back to a video that Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum released back in 2018. Take a look. For those of you listening, the name of this video, Eight Predictions for 2030. You'll own nothing and be happy. Whatever you want, you'll rent. The U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. A handful of countries will dominate. You know, like an oligarchy. You won't die waiting for an organ donor. We won't transplant organs. We'll print new ones instead. You'll eat much less meat. An occasional treat, not a staple, for the good of the environment and our health. A billion people will be displaced by climate change. We'll have to do a better job at welcoming and integrating refugees. 
polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. There will be a global price on carbon. This will help to make fossil fuels history. You could be preparing to go to Mars. Scientists will have worked how to keep you healthy in space. The start of a journey to find alien life. Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. That video is from 2018. Hey, Alhydra. I want to have a fake news conversation, fake news or not conversation about that video as it relates on two fronts. Five years later, that video came out, I think, in April of 2018. So almost five years later. Five years later, what of that video do you find to be fake news or not? Number one. And then number two. One of the more respected voices on the right to emerge here in the last couple of years does a lot of the same kind of work that Corey DeAngelis that we just talked to does. That's Christopher Rufo, who we've had on the show, too. And um, he just got appointed to one of the boards of regents down there in Florida by Governor DeSantis. Uh, and, and Chris has rightfully, in my, in my view, earned that newfound respect and acclaim. And I've certainly shared his work on frequent occasions myself. But with the gathering in Davos um, reemerging this week, he basically said that he thinks on the right we are overblowing this group, that they we were kind of creating a boogeyman when they really don't wield a lot of power. It's mostly just mucky mucks, you know, uh, fetishizing and philosophizing and fantasizing, that they're not actually, in his view, maybe shaping policy. Um, at the rate that some of the villains we have right here in our back, you know, in our backyard are doing. So I want us from a fake news or not standpoint to discuss both of those points. Who wants to start? I'll start. Um, it's all uh, true news. And I. So now we're just talking about just the video. Yeah. That... Oh, you agree with Rufo too? No, oh, no, okay. it's all the video is all uh, true news. They mean uh, every bit of it. Uh, and I would have said the same thing in 2018. What I wouldn't have guessed at at the time is how rooted they were in being able to make it happen. And I just brought this up yesterday. Listen, I did not think just two years ago that in my local exurb school district, s semi-rural, that the trans movement would not only have taken sway, but would like visibly without apology be out in the open and be able right. to take an election. Like a, like a switch was flipped essentially. But, and it did. That mm -hmm. didn't happen because it was an organic movement in Carlisle, Iowa. It happened because of the button pushers that have been playing the long game for a very long time. So as, it's not an either or. Uh, Chris is absolutely right, uh, and he's speaking uh, Shannon Joy's jam. Local, local, local. Yeah, absolutely. You, that's where you have the most ability as one person to enact the most. Um, as I've had losses in Carlisle, but I've had a lot of wins as as one person. But this is not an either or. It's a both and. It is getting harder and harder everywhere locally 
because of what's going on in places like the WF. And that's, you know, Randy Weingarten. We just got done talking about her. The, 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 the cult of personality create combined uh, with the funding is an issue that we absolutely can't ignore. Mm-hmm. And we're at the point in the movie now, folks. It's like, how many movies... Uh, whether they are uh, super villain, uh, uh, superhero movies, or more of a James Bond kind of thing, like the uh, classic uh, story arcs in a lot of different movies, they tell you about, you know, the the villain who came to be, but they show they go in the way back machine, as you say, and they show what happened to him as a child mm-hmm. and what from, and I kind of roll my eyes. Even though I would have taken, they, they believe that in 2018, I would have rolled my eyes at their ability to enact that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Steve, you and I went to college. <clears throat> there was, there was, you know, political correctness. There was crazy liberal dogma back then. But those, those kids are, are now our age, Steve, and they're, they're pulling the levers. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't stop believing this stuff. They are now in the positions to do things at, the highest possible levels. And I don't think in our comfort, we've really come to terms with the fact that the, the kids, the Steve and I's when we were 18 and we were 22 who believe crazy things are now Steve and I's age. They're 50. They are in all the institutions. They didn't stop believing those things. And if we stop, if we think that the reality, especially as people of faith i i don't honestly know rufo's background in, in, in that regard but as people of faith there's nothing new under the sun now that they have power if they didn't stop believing it it's more in every ounce of their dna it's going to be more wicked they believe it it's their faith if we understood our own faith and acted like we should might we might understand their faith better that's probably part of the problem we have a very low estimation of what true belief actually calls you to do and say and think and and believe hmm. What do you think, Aaron? So the video, I think most people would have been like, ha, 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 that's so ridiculous. Stupid libs. Let's get back to enjoying uh, the uh, record uh, unemployment, record employment levels and all of the all of the things that we enjoyed during Trump's tenure. You know, it was making a mirror. Let's get back to mocking. You know, you're a bunch of losers now in hindsight. You look at, um, what are they calling this, the fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing, do you guys see on, I think it's Big Ten Network, maybe it's on ESPN as well. This ESG stuff is getting injected into the the commercials too. Um, They're deadly serious. Deadly, deadly serious. I use that word on on purpose. They're deadly serious about making meat a treat. A treat for all of us. For them, they can have it whenever they, you know, whenever they want. So that is all true news. They, we are way down that road talking here in 2023 now on all of the hippy dippy stuff that they, that they're trying to implement. What I would say to Chris though, his, his, his take on this, I think is absolutely fake news. It's really surprising Chris, and I don't know as much about Corey either, our guest previously, people need to understand Chris is not like one of one of us. He's just a very lucid person mm-hmm. for the most part. 
um, this take notwithstanding. He's a very lucid, very serious person, and he has scalps to show it. Thus, and, he has earned, and he has earned the respect and regard that he has been given. In, no doubt, no doubt in my mind. <clears throat> Pardon me. So let's let's get that out here as as kind of a disclaimer. He's not one of us. So so just just know that going in. The very people that he's fighting, hand to hand combat style, are the World Economic Forum types, whether or not they go to Davos once, twice, thrice a year or not. I'm not sure how you can look at what we're up against in this in this country, whether or not you attribute it to the spirit of the age as we do, or to something else as I'm sure Chris would, and not see the linking up of business, big business, and big government. That's essentially what the World Economic Forum has promoted since its inception, is fascism, classical fascism. I'm not really sure... This this argument seems like it's from really the early 1900s or, or, or 1800s when the thought or the conception of of communication that happens lightning fast trans uh, globally big business doing business in multiple countries around the world 24 hours a day. That's unfathomable that it would have any sort of impact on your life. Now it's Tuesday. Now it's Tuesday. I'm not really sure where this is coming from. Because, yeah, he's right. We do need to focus on insulating ourselves as much as possible. But we are the furthest thing from insulated right now in this country on every single level, especially the level that he's fighting on when it when it comes to public education. So I'm not really sure where that take came from. So fake news. So when you examine that claim, you then... If, if you're going to make the case, now you can make the case for two different reasons. You can say on one hand, um, you guys are, you know, the, a line from the Patriot. You know, why are you so focused, uh, or a paraphrase of the line from the Patriot. Why are, why are you so focused on, um, you know, want to be evildoers thousands of miles away when you have thousands of them one mile away, mm-hmm. right? And so if that's, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> Pardon me again. If you're if, if if he's concerned that this largely serves as a as a shiny object distraction from the kinds of citizenship and activism it requires to defeat this in your own community, then I think that that's a very valid point. Oh, I agree. Look how long our conservatives have focused all of their energy right. on the federal level and right. then never could be bothered to go to their local city council completely, school meeting. You're yeah. right. Completely agree with that. But if we're making that argument on the basis of, well, they really don't have that much power, which is one of the things that he said, my, my reply would be, then <clears throat> if you're going to say that, then we have to ask ourselves then, where did these things all then come from? Because either, either groups like this are an origin point for, for this worldview, or they're an inflection amplification yeah. point for it, meaning that that they all just got discipled into a worldview together, uh, but in separate places and sectors of the world, and then just decided to combine their forces to amplify that the worldview within them. You know, the, 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 it's, so to me, Davos is either an origin story or it's a response team. But it's nothing in between because one of the things, and that's why I wanted to show that video. That's why I wanted to show the video first. 
Because one of the things that people in, in our in my line of work have tried to do, and we try to do this here on our show for many years, is that while on the right or within the church, we have this fantasy notion that that this is an a la carte menu. Right. In the political sense, I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. Right. Like we can pick and choose. These things aren't t- tied together. They're not seamlessly garmented. And so a more moral people require less government. And therefore, that's how we get less government. And you can't have one without the other. Right. We, we have we have we have accepted the canard on the right that <clears throat> these things can be separated because of, of self-deception. That we're not representing um, a, a singularly comprehensive worldview, and that's why we can have gays against groomers over here, and libertarians over there, and evangelicals here, and uh, critical thinking atheists over there, right? Yeah. Okay, and and that works, by the way, as a co-belligerent society, right? You you can you can you can align with Stalin against Hitler. But then when Hitler is out of the way, you and Stalin now have to have a conversation about, okay, how do we run the world now with him gone, right? Mm -hmm. And are you and Stalin going to agree? No. As we saw for the next 75 years, right? See my point? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think on the right, we have often mistaken co-belligerencies as constituencies. Let me say that again, that we on the right have often mistaken co-belligerencies as constituencies. You'll see this in the next column I have coming out for the blaze. I love the idea of gays against groomers as a belligerency, as a belligerent ally, because their because their very existence and willing to speak out exposes the canard of the entire thing they're speaking out against. Right? Mm-hmm. They are themselves a repudiation of the entire ag- rainbow agenda. On the other hand, when they try to go to the next step, they put out a meme the other day. Yeah. Maybe some of you saw this. They put out a meme the other day that said, um, that, that basically took our meme, okay? And they said, um, reject modernity with the trans flag, except embrace tradition with the traditional rainbow flag. Well, now we, now, now we got some problems. Got some problems up in here. Because that's actually true, just not for the reasons that you're claiming. The tradition of that rainbow flag is what gave birth to the trans flag. See, now this is where groups like Gays Against Groomers go from their existence being a repudiation of the worldview we're up against to them now trying to say there is some nuanced difference when really they're denominations of the same church. I am fine making temporary alliances with co-belligerencies, but at some point we have to decide then what, how do we live in the, in the affirmative differently? What's the option? What's the alternative? And that's when this thing often falls apart on the left. There's the, there it is right there on the left. What's been ironic is they've tried to claim too that their belief system can be taken in facets, but it's not self-denial. It's a strategy. It's, it's to make us the frog in the boiling water to accept a little bit at a time. And they turn the heat up a little bit at a time, but there's a reason why the same people that want to kill live babies are the same people that want to um, mutilate your children and, uh, and chest bind their breasts and, and uh, castrate them are the same people that want to bankrupt you and confiscate your wealth are the same people that want to open the borders. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's, there's nobody in the Democrat party that is I'm, I'm a fiscal liberal and a social conservative. 
Nobody, that person doesn't exist. They'd get ran out of there on a rail. Because they, they understand that it's a comprehensive worldview, a fully systemic worldview that they represent. It is not an a la carte menu. It's a four-course meal. And you consume the whole, and all courses will be brought to your table. You will consume them all. You don't get to say, I'm going to sit the salad out. Ah, I'm full. I don't want the dessert. Here it is. They're not giving you a menu. It's a course meal. They understand it's a systemic worldview that they are presenting. And that's why I'm so struck by that video, because it's one of the first times I've ever seen that the left acknowledges this in public. They do in practice. They do in practice. Like I just said, it's all the same people that believe in global warming and climate change or all the same people that believed in masks and all the same people that believe in open borders. In practice, they acknowledge this. They are a drone army. But we often don't see them do that in, in public. That video does it. That video actually presents to you a seamless garment, fully comprehensive. In the, we got into immigration policy. We got into, we got into bodily autonomy. I mean, every issue you could conceive was addressed. Every major issue was addressed in that video. They presented you the full, here is the seven-course meal you will be consuming here. Here's the full agenda. Here's the whole thing. And so we either, in my view, have to either, if, if, if Chris were here, what I would say is, then either they're, they're either an origin for this, meaning that the people that are responsible for this got together and created this consortium or they're the or they're the or they're the the amplifier of it not going to let a good crisis go to that's waste. right they all simultaneously somewhere else these ideas originated in different places of the world and they recognize they came together to recognize the moment that is at hand but it's not nothing it's definitely not nothing it's definitely not that thoughts i think to be f- there, I, I agree with everything you said. To be fair uh, to to Chris, I think the guy has done such a great job. He's had so much success at this in the last three years that the success is actually yep. clouding his judgment. Mm-hmm. He and the, the meaning ability, he thinks what he's done can be can well, be it's just repeated and, and as opposed to it's very rare. And the fact that. This I didn't know who Chris Rufo was three years ago. None of us did. And the lay of the yeah. land has been softened up. Thank God, uh, in a way, mixed blessings. But COVID, Randy, uh, mm-hmm. overreach, or dem- calling parents domestic terrorists, just like uh, Corey said, parents have their eyes open in new ways, which made his job a lot easier. Now he had to do the hard work and go in there, and I thank him for that. Absolutely. But it's it's it, it he couldn't have done what he's done three years ago, and I think that's because. The opposite was true then. Mm-hmm. They weren't putting out right. out in the open like this. They weren't the emperor saying, I am the Senate now. And that's why we can't. Uh, and, and there's all kinds of ways where they're still not being objective about who they are. That clown, the, All the clowns in Davos right now, yeah, there's still something nefarious going on. It's not all out in the open mm-hmm. yet. I mean, they're, they're either the megaphone or the mouth of the river, but they're not nothing. They're certainly not nothing. We'll come back here in a moment. Pop Culture Tuesday is next.
Want to welcome a brand new partner onto the show, our first new partner for 2023, Constitution Wealth. Because it's no secret that right now we are mired in an unprecedented culture war here in America. Bing. Amen. Um, whether it's fighting the schools for our children, uh, in our churches, fighting for the truth and for freedom, uh, in politics, trying to stop the land of the free from becoming a Marxist society. But how many of us can fight every day with our finances? Constitution Wealth is a group of conservative financial managers that understand that even investing has become a battleground and conservatives are losing there. Most conservative portfolios are currently funding the very morals and evils that we fight against every day, but that has to change and it can. No more companies shoving woke materials down our throats, no more investing in organizations that censor or block the truth on their platforms. It's time to take a stand, put your money where your mouth is, and it's time to fight back by investing in companies and organizations that share your values. Financial decisions should be influenced by your convictions, passions, and values, returning the voting power back to you. At Constitution Wealth, they use funds and strategies that share our clients' values and use their influence to support your beliefs. So they want to fight with the talents that God has given them, financial investments, financially and morally empowering like-minded patriots. Go to Constitution Wealth to support and align your values with your money because they understand that you can improve your investment experience when you invest using your core values, not just sheer numbers. They respect liberty and freedom and believe in helping people fulfill their God-given potential. Constitution Wealth, looking for like-minded people who are ready to invest and potentially change the financial landscape in America. If you think this is you, get a free consultation today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Again, a free consultation today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Let's conclude today by looking at Pop Culture Tuesday, where we get into the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. So over the last nine years, David Carr has been the quarterback of the Oakland and now Las Vegas Raiders. And um, he's going to end his career with the Raiders, uh, owning virtually every career passing mark for one of the venerable franchises in the NFL. And I say he's going to end his career because earlier this year he was benched. And the team decided to go in a different direction. Who knows? So there are reports that one, one way they might go in a different direction is with Hall of Famer and waiting Tom Brady next year. But over the course of his career, David Carr's made about $40 million as the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, uh, or Las Vegas Raiders now. And, and he'll be in demand this offseason for sure. I mean, I, I can think of a team like the Jets, for example, that have everything in place. All right, to be a to be a postseason team, they have the defense, uh, they have the running game, they have the they have the the A receiver now, and Garrett Wilson, who was phenomenal as a rookie, they've got everything in place. They they need a quarterback, and I could see him step in and be that veteran presence for them and a team like that right away. So he will be coveted this offseason for sure, and sort of as a goodbye uh, to the people of Las Vegas and the Raiders franchise, uh, he actually found an interesting platform to deliver that farewell. And it was at a Las Vegas church. Check this out. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to come at you, but I'm a little fired up these past couple weeks. I've gone through some stuff a little bit, right? And I found out that nothing can get me down. Nothing can take my feet out from under me. There's nothing that can come against me where I'm not going to win in the end. 
There's nothing that can come against my household where the Spirit of God breaks it free and says, we don't need to worry about that. Y'all you, you know how many text messages I've gotten saying, are you okay? Stop asking if I'm okay. You don't really know me if you're asking if I'm okay. You don't know the God that I know. I'm just kidding. I love when people take me. Because I'm like, man, y'all really love me. I, I thank you. Thank you so much for praying for it. Yes, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But y'all understand my heart. We got to get out of the negativity. We got to stop complaining. What are those things that are holding you captive? Quit being comfortable there. It's easy to stay there. It's easy to point the finger at other people. It's easy to blame others. Trust me, I had a lot of family members trying to do that for me. <laughs> but I said, you know what? I'm, a, I'm not going to do that. That's comfortable for me. It really could be a comfortable place, but I'm going to step out of that. I'm going to say, I just can't wait to be better myself. I'm just going to keep striving to be the best version of me that I could be. I'm going to keep trying to be better for whatever I do next. I'm going to keep trying to, and it's uncomfortable. It's so easy to do it the other way. It's so easy to, be, to, do, to, do, to do this. It's so easy to do that. But instead, I said, Lord, what is it that you're trying to reveal to me in this season? Lord, what is it that you're trying to do in my heart in this season? Patience? Forgiveness? Do they deserve it? Doesn't matter. It's not, he didn't ask me if they deserve it. He didn't ask me if they deserved that. He didn't, he, he, that wasn't on the agenda for me. The agenda for me was just forgive. The agenda for me was have peace. <laughs> How? <laughs> In my presence. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But we got to get out of this place of this comfortableness and this captivity. We can't. Nine years. One place. It's been hard. I always make this joke. I said, franchises are heavy. <laughs> franchises are heavy to carry. They're heavy. But aren't we thankful that whatever it is that God has asked you to do, that he can be the one to say, why don't you just put it in my hands? Why don't you just give it back to me? I have walked through the hardest times of my life, not knowing if my son was going to make it, not knowing if my grandpa was going to make it, not knowing what, what's next, not knowing my next step, not knowing these things. And I've walked through these times with an absolute peace and a grace that has covered me. So forgive me, that is actually a Derek Carr. David, his brother, was the number one overall pick in the draft about 15 years ago, and I often get them confused because I'm getting old now. That's Derek Carr, uh, soon-to-be former quarterback uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders, who will be coveted, um, uh, and he will be a starter for another team, <clears throat> I believe, um, pretty confidently this year. But uh, choosing, first and foremost, a church to basically say his farewell to that community so let's discuss that, but then also the message that is conveyed. What do you think, Todd? Well, choosing the church, uh, first things first, putting into context uh, where all truth flows from and the degree to which we get confused about so many things in society, uh, sports, etc., is that we deify the things that were never meant to be deified. We turn them into idols. So he's making sure that everything is, is viewed uh, through the lens of God. Secondly, the message, I think there's a multiple messages in there. I'm going to obviously resonate with me as you're, you're too comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. Get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And here, in this way specifically, he's talking about you're, point, you're pointing fingers. You're constantly saying you're a victim of somebody else. I, I've long talked about this with uh, my children raising them you when people are complaining when they're uh even crying yelling and screaming 
I've taught my children. That's not discomfort you're hearing from them. That's the most comfortable place they've found. That's Linus's blanket. Hmm. They, they don't know true joy. The most comfortable thing to them is to say, look at me, look at me. I hate somebody hurt me. They, it, it's their happiest place. And until you understand that, you do not under truly, you don't understand uh, total depravity. People want to be in that place. They aren't feeling despair in those moments. That's the, that's the false joy, the false power that they've carved out in their little universe. And you can pull it out of their cold, dead hands. They love it there. They love it there. That's how broken we are as a people. And you need to, to get out of that. You've got to stop being comfortable in that place. You've got to take the risk of being uncomfortable as God has clearly demanded uncomfortable things of the people he loves the most. Steve, you just got done talking about that recently. We're not meant to have a life without sacrifice. The cross says it to us every day if we are people of faith. Right? We're not meant to be comfortable. And, and we, the illusion that these broken people uh, are uncomfortable too... No, quite frankly, it's their drug. They've gotten addicted to the comfort of whining, complaining, being bitter without needing to think that they have to do anything about it themselves, without thinking they have to bear any cross whatsoever, or for starters, to acknowledge the one to bore the cross for us all. That's one of the things I love about this video the most, Aaron. And that's why I mentioned how much money he has made. Because it's, it's hard... For us, we need constant reminders that we're way more blessed than we deserve, right? For us from the outside, it looks like, dude, you've made $40 million. You played quarterback in the NFL for nine years, so the team wants to move on. I mean, who wouldn't trade problems with you? But, I mean, that's, that's it. That, his relationships, that's a key part of his identity, right? When the community he served, the relationships with the players that he made over the years, you know, and... And sometimes we have to, we need reminders about, and you can see he's kind of like in the grand scheme of things here, man, I'm, 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 uh, I'm in a pretty good place. Like I, I'm really stressed out about the movie right now. Like really, like it's it, like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm concerned we won't have enough time and everything else. And then I have to stop myself almost every day here in the last week and ask myself, I say this to myself, you're, you realize that you're, you're complaining about whether you'll you'll have enough time to make a movie successful to the to the expectations you have you know you, you, you do you did you forget 50 years ago you were a kid born to a 15 year old mom you know, you know i mean we have to we have to do all of us yeah. are way more blessed whether we're Derek Carr or Steve Dace or whoever you are way more blessed than we deserve and but we forget about that, Aaron, when as Todd points out, we put all of the focus on ourselves, that particular circumstance, and then the thing in our life that isn't going the way that we want, and we identify with that, and we're comforted by the victim status we get to claim because of that thing in our life or things in our life. And it may be very serious things. We live in a sinful fallen world, but overall, no matter what it is, you're still more blessed than you ever deserved. And we just need to be reminded of that all the time. Yeah, that's well said. And um, I'm glad you took this where you went, because when I watched that originally yesterday morning, I think it was, 
I had kind of the same reaction. Like, dude, what struggles have you actually had? You're an NFL player. I mean, it's a good message, but come on now. But then it kind of stuck with me all day. One, because I'm like, that was a good message. Why am I kind of poop? Why was my reaction to poo-poo that? You guys can keep me accountable on this. I'm, I'm getting very, very um, jaded, I guess, sometimes to a fault. So if that, if that comes out, uh, please do keep me accountable on that. But it just stuck with me. And, it, and I was reminded of, of something I've said about Elon Musk before. When you have screw you money and you take a leap, you don't really have screw you money. Even though, even though it's in the bank account, even though it might be all liquid, you really are stepping out there. Because when people can't touch you, you're putting your life at risk. Mm-hmm. Like what you're doing with the Twitter files, because the only way that the powers that be can stop you is, is with your life. In kind of a similar way, Derek Carr is a rich man. He is a rich man. He has screw you money many times over. His children's children, maybe after this next contract, might have screw you money generationally. Do you think it was hard or easy for him to decide instead of poo-pooing the Raiders organization, you know what, I'm not going to do this. In his walk, for him... That was a hard choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it was. Now, a lot of us, including myself, thinking there, I would love to have that struggle in my life. I would love to have the struggle of, you know what, I've got screw you money. Should I, be, uh, should I offer forgiveness and grace? A lot of us would like to have that, that struggle. I just think that that was, I, I don't know what that looks like for us in our lives, but I did think back to our Friday show. The listener, I believe, working in healthcare. Would not take the jab. Got a religious exemption. Her hospital, I believe, or a place where she worked, instead trumped up some other charge to get rid of her that way. Those are stories that we see in our our lives, Hmm. if we're not NFL players. Those are a lot of the stories that we see. I'm not going to say, hey, you need to forgive. I mean, I've I've been beyond blessed as, as well. But those are the types of, of struggles, whether you're an NFL player or down here as well. Um, those, are, those are the choices that we have to make. And they're not easy on either level. Amen. Amen. Folks, our friends over at Patriot Mobile, they've got, because of your support, they've got some very big news. They now offer service on all three major networks. That means if you're with the big three and you like their service but hate their values, you can now access those services without donating to those values via Patriot Mobile. They offer their performance guaranteed. If you're not happy with any coverage between those major carriers, you can make the switch at any time for free with their phenomenal customer service team at Patriot Mobile, that they're really the last American mobile phone company that we have left. So this new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. My family can attest to it, by the way. We made the switch a couple of years ago. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Or call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. And get a free activation today with the offer code Steve. Again, that's PatriotMobile.com 
slash Steve or call them at 972-PATRIOT and get your free activation when you make the switch today. That's going to just about do it for us today. Um, We are going to stick around and record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. If you're not yet one and you want to become one, get a discounted subscription today when you go to blazetv.com slash dace. Once more, that's blazetv.com slash dace. For those of you that are already Blaze TV subscribers, good news, later today you'll get to watch the overtime. We'll record it here in just a matter of moments. Today's overtime, it's video day, apparently. I brought a couple of videos I wanted us to react and respond to. Uh, Todd, you've got a video that you want us to react and respond to. Yeah. So we will we will do that. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow, or I'm sorry, we'll do that later today, uh, right here on uh, on Blaze TV. And what I love about the video you want us to watch, just as a tease, is you find out in the end the the idea that of your own will and in your own power alone you can maintain some form of clear, critical thinking objectivity when, when, re, when, when faced with the realities of this world. You can just do this on, we can just do this in our own steam. We can do, do this mm-hmm. in our own flesh. The individual we're about to talk about in the overtime is someone that has sold a lot of books and made a lot of money claiming to, to be a leader on that path and has deceived many others to follow him on that path. And then you found out, you're about to find out here in the overtime uh, later today, he's just a poser like everybody else. So we'll get to that at blazetv.com slash Dace. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.